The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. It is exactly five minutes after 9 p.m. You are listening to the Monday edition of The Viewpoint. My name is Oliver Dixon, standing in for Songhez on Mabekla this evening. Today is World Mental Health Day. Yeah, it is. And it's been extensively covered throughout the day. But I want us to take a very specific look at something that affects us all, even if we don't suffer clinically from mental illness. Um, and that is post-traumatic stress disorder and how it can develop and manifest into mental health illnesses. About one in seven South Africans will experience a traumatic event. In fact, South Africa is a traumatic place to live in. We have individual trauma, but we also have collective trauma as a people. Apartheid was traumatic. That's a collective trauma we share. If we think back to the ubiquity of crime in this country, that has a both a individualistic traumatic impact as well as a collective traumatic impact. Every day we wake up to horrific news in this country and we become numb and numb and numb to it and desensitized to it. That for me is an indicator of traumatic stress. Um, And these things and these events can place us at high risk of acute stress disorder, which can become a more serious and long-term mental illness if we don't treat it. Acute stress disorder affects about 20% of people who experience or witness traumatic events, very specifically such as death, serious injury, physical or sexual violence, and about half of those will go on to develop into clinical PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, with a debilitating impact on our works, our lives, and everyday existence. We're in conversation with Dr. Gagu Matsebula who is from the South African Society of Psychiatrists, to unpack this with us. Uh, Dr. Gagu uh, Matsebula, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Um, Maybe let's start here. We often speak about... Firstly, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Really, really do appreciate your time this evening. We often speak about PTSD very loosely, um, and not in a clinical sense, right? I guess because we all, many of us experience traumatic things to various degrees, and obviously uh, we respond to these things very differently. But how serious is it as a mental health medical issue? Hi, good good evening, um, Oliver. Thank you so much for, for the opportunity. So, so, so yes, um, post-traumatic stress disorder um, can literally be a life-threatening mental illness um, in one of two ways. The first is it, it can totally destroy how you function in society, at work, or at school in those important areas of functioning. Um, and then secondly, it can lead to other complications like major depression, um, and, and we do know that one of the complications of major depression is a person completing suicide. So post-traumatic stress disorder is, is a really serious uh, mental illness that really does deserve a lot of attention from um, the populace. Yeah. Clinically, what is PTSD? So PTSD is um, an acronym for post-traumatic stress disorder. 
So and I'll, I'll explain it to that. We have the trauma, like you've described, um, in terms of the examples that you've given. And when we speak about trauma, it's not just someone that's witnessed the trauma or been involved in a traumatic incident. We also do see it in people that are repeatedly exposed to aversive details of trauma. So these could be researchers, it could be journalists, it could be police. And this then leads to four groups of symptoms. The first group is what are called intrusive symptoms. Um, So this is when the person will have distressing involuntary memories or dreams or nightmares of the traumatic incident. Um, And the person doesn't want um, these intrusive symptoms. Once the person has these, um, there's a lot of distress that the person is going to experience. In terms of little ones, children, their intrusive symptoms can take the form of traumatic themes in play. So instead of a child playing um, with toys, for example, or a a model carpet, um, there's going to be a lot of violent themes in in that child's play. And what the person then tries to do is they will try to avoid um, these distressing memories or dreams by distracting themselves. So some people, unfortunately, will start to use alcohol as a Mm. way of self-medicating, while others will try to distract themselves by keeping busy or watching TV or reading so that um, when the time to sleep comes, they just pass out and, and, and fall asleep. The third group is one of the most challenging parts of PTSD in that there are negative changes in how the person thinks and feels. In terms of their feelings, they struggle to experience what we call positive emotions. So things like happiness or satisfaction or love. When someone has PTSD, they struggle to feel these emotions. And in terms of thinking, there are things like inappropriate self-blame. So an example of that could be you could have an individual that is in a, uh, a taxi accident, for example, and that person is the only survivor there's going to be a lot of guilt in that the person will ask themselves, why are they the only survivor? And the last one is there's a disruption in important areas of functioning like work or school. Um, And this person will be in a constant state of of hyper arousal. Um, They will be acutely aware of what's happening around them. In in short, they, they will be they will appear as if they are shocked, but this sense of shock really doesn't dissipate. It's it's always there. Yeah, uh, and maybe then we have to speak about what the psychomedical responses should be to these sort of things. Uh, maybe let's go with each in turn. How do you know if you're suffering mm-hmm. from a severe case of PTSD and need help? Um, for instance, um, someone living with, say, survivor's remorse, as you spelled it out, and it doesn't necessarily disrupt their everyday life, but they do experience uh, bouts of guilt every other day. Is that somebody that should seek assistance? Yes, quite right. That's such a beautiful question. So indeed, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, like all other mental illnesses, has got different grades of severity. And definitely, yes, we do have people that will have mild symptoms. And those with mild symptoms will have, you know, they'll have their memories, you know, they'll try to avoid it, they'll be able to do that successfully. 
but their day-to-day functioning, um, as I mentioned earlier, that won't be adversely affected. So they'll still be able to attend to whatever needs to be done. The moment there's difficulty meeting those important commitments is definitely the point where we as psychiatrists worry that now we're at the point where this person is going to need psychotherapy and medication, Oliver. Yeah. Give us a call. The number to dial is 086-000-2032. We're taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. That is 0614-104-107. Tweet me at Oliver underscore speaking. But we look forward to those phone calls on 086-000-2032. Perhaps you have a question for Dr. Gago Matebula uh, on PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Perhaps you live yourself with post-traumatic stress disorder. I know I do. Uh, <laughs> I certainly have experienced a number of traumatic events in life, and some of them I've, I've discussed in therapy and, 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 and that sort of stuff, but certainly not all of them. Um, and maybe let me start, uh, go, go to this. When I when we experience a, a, you know, a multiplicity of traumatic events, right? Um, some people have lived such traumatic lives that, They've exper- they experience trauma, ongoing trauma on a day-to-day, daily basis. Um, how do you know where to start? So definitely trauma, unfortunately, has become ubiquitous. It can be a once-off event. It can be ongoing, like you've mentioned. In, in terms of seeking help, what would we do recommend that people, uh, you know, a course of action that people should take is they can go to their local clinics. Um, the nursing staff that run these clinics do have training in psychiatry in their nursing colleges. If a person has got a family doctor or a general practitioner, even if you feel okay, even if you feel that things are not really bad, we still do recommend that please go in for a checkup and let's rather have the healthcare professional say to you, um, you know, you're not at the point where we need to start things like medication. You are having some mild symptoms, yeah. but this can resolve with just a bit of therapy. We, we prefer that we go that route first um, instead of a person staying home and, and trying to deal with this on their own. And we're certainly not saying this to take away people's agency, but we're just trying to head off some of the serious complications um, that people with PTSD can develop, and I'm more than happy to talk about these, um, yeah. uh, Oliver. Yeah, let's take some calls on our open line number zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Let's speak to Sig out in Randburg. Sig, good evening. Good evening, Oliver. Uh, I've had the, the odd little chance to speak on a program of yours before, and so you have an idea of what uh, my. Uh, concern is about and that concern is that for the past 15 years ever since Vusi Piccoli got fired uh, for wanting to prosecute a crooked commissioner of police that was the Vusi Piccoli was the national public prosecutor was fired by the president for wanting to uh, prosecute a corrupt police commissioner called Jackie Salebe who ultimately was convicted of corruption. Uh, I then began to participate in the daily news very intensely 
seeing South Africa go to the state where we are uh, in a water crisis, in a electricity crisis, in a in in the absence of railways virtually, and 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 in uh, airways have been destroyed. Uh, there is uh, a junk status of the economy, and a person who has, like myself, exposed himself to this and tried to warn people of uh, the state of catastrophe that was impending for South Africa. How would such a person's mentality be affected by this total destruction that we are getting to achieve even worse than it is now? Mm. Thank you so much for that. How would state be affected by, yeah. by that exposure for a total of 15 years and being denied access frequently because I was a regular caller to SAFM? Thank how you. would my mental state be affected? Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Sig. Really, really do appreciate it. I feel like Sig just used this as an opportunity to rant about the political state of the country. But it, it, it highlights a significant uh, um, problem, uh, Dr. Matebula. Uh, when I started the conversation, I pointed out to the possibility of collective trauma. How do we deal with that? Oh, yes. So, goodness. I, I think that definitely first port of call is for us as a people, as a society, to start to be more open in terms of talking about our challenges. And, and I really, I really must commend you for what you mentioned, where you admitted that you, you know, you'd had to go to to therapy. I think that's the first port of call. We do yeah. need to acknowledge that we are human beings. We're not machines. Um, and as such, we may have certain frailties and certain idiosyncrasies. Um, and having struggles due to stressors is one of those. So I, I think the more we talk about um, our difficulties, the more people say, I was having this challenge, I went for therapy, or I was given certain medication, um, but now I'm okay. I, I think that's, that's going to help. And uh, I really must... Uh, appreciate this opportunity because it's it's having platforms like yours now where we're discussing mental illness and mental health that people are also themselves going to have an increased awareness and knowledge that there's this phenomenon called mental health and this is how I can I can take care of it. Mm. So so thank you for that. Is there is there comfort in community when it comes to that sort of thing? Definitely so. Um, one of the challenges that we know, particularly with people that are struggling with mental illness, is there's this sense of isolation. Um, and in isolation is where, you know, a person's thinking becomes distorted, like this inappropriate self-blame that, that I spoke about a mm, bit earlier, mm, mm. or the sense, sense of estrangement. And this can very easily lead to a sense of helplessness, of hopelessness, um, and this then unfortunately opens the door to things like completing suicide. Whereas if there's a communal understanding, a communal sense, um, it definitely is going to help because people that are having those challenges will know that this is not unique to just them and them alone. Um, and that there are other people that are going through these these challenges. Mm. And And how that will help is, you'll have people at different stages of their challenges. 
invariably you are going to have someone that had previously quite bad, you know, severe challenges, but they are feeling better now. And that person is going to be, can I say, like a role model of what yeah. is possible in terms of what can happen when a person accesses um, mental health care. Give us a call, 86 2032 We're also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 614 Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue with the conversation. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. It is 22 minutes after 9 p.m. You are listening to The Viewpoint. My name is Oliver Dixon. We're discussing post-traumatic stress disorder. Today is World Mental Health Awareness Day, and it's important that we bring these conversations to the fore and really shine a light on it, particularly because PTSD can affect you even if you don't clinically suffer from a mental health. And I think uh, many of us do have some form of PTSD. Uh, I'm in conversation with Dr. Kagu Matsebula, uh, who is a member of the South African Society of Psychiatrists. Give us a call. The number to dial is 86 triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two we're also taking your whatsapp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven um dr matabula this is one of the voice notes that has come through and i would like us to have a listen to some of them good evening mr dixon as well as your guest. good evening mr dixon uh i hear your guest saying that uh, we distract ourselves from from stress by by watching tv so keeping busy in general so what does he suggest that we do to cope with this thing called stress that's actually such a beautiful question Hi, Dr. Matsubula, do you want to maybe reflect on that uh just for a second and maybe i'd like to pad onto that question by asking this are there such a thing as an as healthy coping mechanisms Yes, there are. And, and this, this is a beautiful question because it then goes to what we tell people about how they can take care of their mental health in general. Um, it's, it's good to take care of, of your health. Um, we should go to our local clinics for wellness clinic visits. We shouldn't go there if we're feeling un, you know, unwell. Um, we should have healthy ways of dealing with stress, which is what I think the voice note was, was speaking about. The first definitely is finding someone trustworthy and someone who is going to be receptive to you when you approach them with whatever challenge you're going through, particularly things like stress, because as we mentioned earlier, stress can lead to depression and anxiety that can cause a person to isolate themselves and things just go downhill from there. So it definitely is extremely helpful to talk it out. Find someone understanding, sympathetic, patient, and receptive. And this person must be someone that you can trust, and this person will listen to you in a non-judgmental manner. And what we've noted, um, the outcome of such interactions, uh, the uh, outcome of such interactions is that the other person that is listening to this stressed individual might be able to come up with a solution for whatever is stressing the person. Or they might even be able to say, hang on, you know, you're saying some things which are making me worried now. Um, You seem like you're not in a good space. 
maybe it's advisable that, that you go to see a clinician. So definitely first port of call, um, let's talk about it, let's talk it out, um, let's not have you know, any, any sacred topics that we fear to broach with, with people that we trust and care about. Yeah. Is it perhaps fair to say that not every stress-causing problem can be solved by merely a conversation or even therapy? Uh, let me let me crystallize that. The vast majority of South Africans live in poverty. Poverty is a stress-inducing condition to live in. And we live in a continuum of poverty. If poverty is what causes me stress as a parent that can't provide to my children, no matter how much I talk about it, if my poverty problem isn't solved, my stress won't get solved. Perhaps the conversation or even therapy just helps me build, I don't know, mental dexterity to be able to live with it. But outside of that... I don't, I don't see conversation solving that sort of a problem. Oh, that's such a beautiful question uh, because it then leads me to talk about the members of the team that we as psychiatrists work with. So quite right, there are certain challenges which just talking about or giving an antidepressant won't help. We work very closely with social workers who are part of the team um, as well as what are called occupational therapists. So the social worker is the individual that we rely on extremely heavily um, for such instances as the one that you've just described now. Yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of people are really struggling um, in, in terms of you know, the socioeconomic status that they occupy and by extension the difficulties in terms of accessing certain services. So that is where the social worker becomes extremely invaluable. Um, and these can be found um, in local clinics, at the same local clinics where you are going to be able to find um, psychologists and psychiatrists. And then the other member of the team is what are called occupational therapists. If, let's say, for example, we have someone that is struggling with um, addiction to substances, um, it is the occupational therapist that is going to help that person find productive ways um, of spending whatever leisure time that they have. So we, it's, it's not just a case of just therapy, but there can be actual concrete practical steps that we can take using the occupational therapist and the social workers as well. Yeah. Give us a call. The number to dial is 86 as we come to the end of this conversation. Perhaps you want to squeeze in one last question over there. We have uh, another voice note I'd like us to listen to. Hi again, Oliver. I'm your guest and the listeners. Carl from Durban. Having suffered mildly from PTSD myself and having many friends who had it for one reason or another, suicides, divorces, border war experiences. I have found and personally experienced um, the value of getting people outside of themselves and their cares and, and participating in a horse care unit or volunteering for the SPCA or for homeless people feeding schemes that of, of losing yourself and in meeting other people who have sometimes as bad but often worse problems than you and putting things into perspective and, and gaining something back from the, the group 
effort and understanding. Thank you so much for those voice notes that has come in. Uh, Dr. Matsebula, do you perhaps want to give us a last reflection, especially on that voice note? Uh, in fact, let's have a listen to one or two more voice notes and then we can wrap it up. Sure. Good evening, SAFM. Up here from Kabeha. My concern actually is the how expensive uh, therapists, you know, uh, health, actually there are other health, you know, uh, professionals, like therapists, psychologists, etc. So my question to doctor is, why are such uh, people, you know, or such assistance expensive, especially in South Africa? Because you, uh, you might find out, like in South Africa, we have, you know, an influx of, um, even from, you know, social workers, you know, people that are such resources that are not even implemented in like our schools you know because trauma you have to remember starts from childhood so my concern here is what what is the government doing to you know uh deploy more resources to the public thank you hey, good evening Somdaga in the rural outskirts of umtata you know, when I, I acquired blindness at a, at, a, at a older age, I tried all that I could to 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 regain my sight, but until today, I never. But tell me now, where can you, whom could you consult when you live in deep rural? You only earn this 1,900 of, of disability grant. You've got a family to feed, there are children to raise. You know. What I can realize and what I have discovered to me, I like keeping quiet. At times, I keep quiet for about a period of about two to three days, and you don't want to make noise. Is it not that because of that uh, PTSD? Thank you. Both those those voice notes very beautifully interlink with each other. The second one crystallizing more with a real lived e example as to what the first is about. Uh, and I, I bet you, do you think about this all the time, but why is therapy so inaccessible and expensive, Dr. Matsebul? Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, when, when you have, um, and, and this is not an excuse, when you have highly qualified professionals that are sought by other countries um, in the world, I know New Zealand is aggressively trying to recruit our professionals um, they, they do, unfortunately, come at a premium. Um, but what I can tell you is a lot of them, myself included, do sometimes help out um, in the local clinics. And the local clinics do have um, specialized mental health services. Those are readily available. Um, as I mentioned, we've got nursing staff that are there. The nursing staff are trained to be able to detect that this person is not doing too well, this person needs to be seen by a doctor. And then when a doctor sees that person and they feel that maybe this does need the intervention of a specialist, those referrals will be made. But um, those services certainly are available in, in, in local clinics. And I, I think just to you know, expand it a bit further, um, health is a basic human right uh, per our constitution. Um, and we live in a constitutional democracy, and those in positions of authority 
are beholden to the electorate. If the electorate feels that they need particular resources in their local yeah. clinic, it is the electorate that can definitely um, put pressure for improved resources. But um, definitely, we, we do have um, specialist mental health care services available in, in local clinics, most yeah. definitely. Dr. Gago Matsebula, thank you so much for your time this evening. Really, really do appreciate it. And thank you so much for the wonderful and important work that you're doing. Thank you ever so much for the opportunity. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue the show where we'll be speaking uh, to the Flow Foundation. Um, actually, before that, we're going to be speaking to Dr. Wiseman Mbilo Dlamini, reflecting on his PhD uh, thesis in physics and some of his research work on the other side of this.